for a few moments this morning, I will take you to a very familiar story, but one the Lord has been talking to me through uh, over the last little while. My wife asked me to not preach about storms that first weekend, but she didn't say anything past that. So we're going to go to the storm today. Maybe a little different. Stand with me in honor of the Word of God. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading with verse 45. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. I'm going to read down oh, through verse 48. The Bible said, In straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. I want you to underscore the word constrained. And straightway he constrained them. He urged them. He sent them away into the ship to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Verse 48 said, And he saw them toiling in rowing. I love those first three words, and he saw. Amen. He saw. He saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. <clears throat> My subject this morning may seem perhaps out of place, but if you'll let me talk to you for a little while, maybe it'll make sense before I'm through. When contrary meets committed. Amen. Everybody say that with me. When contrary meets committed. Turn to your neighbor and say, help him a little while this morning. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> One of the great stories of the Bible is recorded here in Mark chapter 6. It is interesting, perhaps you already know this, but Mark was a student of Luke who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And many of the things that Mark recorded are from the remembrance of Simon Peter and of Luke in the events that happened in the beginning. And so Mark is taking the story that is given to them. And his story is a unique perspective on all that Jesus did. But one of the most intriguing stories of the Bible happens here in this latter portion of chapter 6. And it needs to be more than a story because it in truth is a revelation that after a day of teaching and miracles, the feeding of the multitude, Jesus sends his disciples away 
onto the Sea of Galilee to go to the other side before him. And last night, right before I laid down, the Lord just quickened that point to me and reminded me that I sent them. I sent them. That is such a powerful word, to be sent. Everybody say sent. That, that speaks of purpose. It breathes the atmosphere of some kind of plan. That it is not leisure or pleasure that you are engaged in. That this is not an accident that you're involved in. This is not some kind of freak thing of life. But it is part of the plan and the purpose of God that there was a purpose in God sending them where he sent them. They were sent, but they were not sent without trouble. What an amazing thing. Sent, but sent into the midst of trouble. You say, how do you know that? Because the Sea of Galilee was a sea of trouble. It was located very low in the ground Compared to the rest of the terrain, it was several miles below sea level. And the Sea of Galilee was situated in a place where it was ripe for storms to happen. Because of the mountains and the steep cliffs that surrounded it, there was this this atmosphere that had been created in that realm where storms could come quickly and suddenly. And the terrain and setting made it a target for dis, uh, disruptions and particularly vulnerable to sudden changes. Things that could, that, that could be one way one moment and the very next minute it would be a raging storm. And the Bible says that God sent them out on the sea of trouble. I have learned this much about living for God, that there are some environments that are ripe for storm. As much as I don't like some of the things about living on the Gulf Coast, there are a lot of reasons I like living here, and you are the one. But when you come to other elements, the storms that we are exposed to, and the, the, the torrential rains that often come to us because of our location, It makes it sometimes less desirable than we would want, and yet that's where God has sent us. That's the environment that we have been put in, and that environment many times is ripe for storm. And if you and I have to pass through some place like that, we need to understand how to make it to the other side. They had been sent to pass over the sea to get to where Jesus wanted them to be. And you are going to have to go through some things in this life to get you where God wants you to be. It's not going to happen when you eat Cracker Jacks every, every morning and drink coffee at midday and smile and lift your hands and praise God. That's not how life works. Sometimes there are moments when troubles come quickly upon us And we find ourselves in the midst of turmoil that was unexpected. It is very likely that they did not understand the command that had been given to them. But they did not argue with God. And that is so important. They simply did what He commanded them to do. 
and they went to the other side. The way of duty is not always an easy way, but it is the best way. And when I am obedient to God, God will never leave me and He will never forsake me. Some of you need to understand that this morning, that you may not be in the perfect place today and it may not be ideal. And you may be in an environment right now where there's a lot of turmoil, but if God has His hand on your life, you don't have to worry about the elements that surround you Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And so Mark describes the state of affairs of their life. That after parting company, they ran into trouble very quickly. And they began to make their way across the sea. Things began to deteriorate rapidly. The elements seemed to conspire against them, to stop them, and to drive them back to their origin. And so often it is in life that our finest hours are followed by the stormiest times. The rapid transition that life can take is unnerving. How quickly we can be one hour ecstatic over the miracle of God and the next hour in the most miserable place in the world and wonder how in the world did we get here. Our lives are often tried by unexpected events and circumstances and disappointments and trials. And Mark explains to us their situation in a very powerful language. He said the winds were contrary to them. Contrary. Everybody say contrary. Contrary. They were conflicting. They were opposing. They were antagonistic. They were disagreeable. They were uncooperative. They were rebellious. They were defiant. They were stubborn. Winds that were against what they were trying to do. Winds that were trying to stop them in the purpose that God had sent them for. Winds that were trying to push on them with such force that they would give up and go back. But the Bible says that they went on anyway. Amen. I I love that word contrary. My dad used to use it a lot. The contrariness of life gets me sometimes. I mean, you have you ever felt like the winds of life were just against you? And it doesn't matter how hard you try, how much you do good, you just can't seem to get a break or make headway. And the harder you try, it seems like the further you get behind. The events of life are not always directed to help us but hinder us. And nothing seems to want to work for us. We try, but it doesn't matter because the winds conspire against us. Has anybody ever felt like life has conspired against you? You ever feel like that you are the one that's the bullseye and everybody's got their gun trained on you and if anything could go wrong, it's going to go wrong in your house? If anything can break down, it's going to break down with you. If anything could not work, it's not going to work at your home. If there's going to be a fuss or an argument or a fight, it's going to happen in your household. Anybody ever been there before? If there's going to be a disagreement, no matter how hard you try to keep from having disagreements, they come every way. Everything seems pitted against you. All these things 
Jacob said, are against me because circumstances had conspired to make him feel that way. And so often it is with us. The cause seemed lost in the futility of their moment. What they were trying to do is simply obey their master and go to the other side and wait for him. And yet the elements of life and the circumstances of life were so fierce and so powerful against them that it was trying to stop them from doing what God had called them to do. And it seemed for a little while that the cause had been lost because of the futility of their efforts. And you and I don't understand this, but the, the Sea of Galilee was only about six miles wide, and that was a journey they could make very quickly. Seasoned men that were well trained in the rowing and in the use of the, the, the sail could get across that sea in a very short period of time. But the Bible indicates that these men had been on that sea for nine long hours and had only gone three miles. They should have been there and back, but they weren't. Three miles in nine hours. Now, I don't know about you. That's a lot of rowing. And I'm not sure what all went on in that boat, but I am certain that there was a few times they may have argued with themselves. This is not working. This is not going to work. This is not, I don't care what the preacher said. I don't care how he tried to pump you up. I don't care what he tried to make you believe. You are fighting an impossible battle because the winds were contrary. And so it was. And yet Mark describes, it, and this is something that is missed in the story sometimes because we go on to other things about walking on water and, and Jesus coming and they thinking him a ghost. But the real truth of the story is found in how Mark describes how these men manage their chaotic situation, how these men manage the, verse, the adverse circumstances that were against them, how they managed the situation that they had come into, how they dealt with their adversity. And in their time of, of being there on that sea, they learned much not only about themselves, but also about their God. And the Bible describes it like this. They were toiling. Everybody say toiling. Now that word is inadequate in the English language to express the full sense of the term. But in the literal rendering of the word, the word toiling means they were tormented in rowing. I mean, you know, you start out, it's an exercise, but after a while it becomes a burden. And their rowing had become such a weariness to them that they were tormented in their rowing. Have you ever been at a place in life where you literally were just tormented? If I have to go through this one more hour, if I have to put up with that one more day, if I have to deal with this mess one more minute, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to say something that I ought not say. I'm going to do something that I ought not do. Am I preaching to anybody here this morning that sometimes life is just a torment that you try and you work and you work and you try, but all that comes out of it is distress and torture? 
And the more you try, the more baffled you become that the elements are not working for you, but they seem to be working against you. They were toiling, tormenting you. Amen. I hate to be in that place, but I've been there, and I'm here in some way right now. I'm tormented at where we're at. I mean, it, it, it's like quicksand. It's every day you wake up. There, there's a, there's a, a, you can look around and see the multitude of issues that we're dealing with here. And you're trying to figure out how do we get this thing back on track and how do we get our church back in the environment that we're used to and what do we do to help overcome the adverse things that have happened to us. And it just seemed like it's a trouble to get up in the morning and my, my mind is weary. I know your mind is weary. Your hearts are troubled and distressed and we're just rowing. We're just trying to keep this thing going sometimes. That's exactly how it seemed in life. They were toiling and rowing. It was only by painful effort that they could make headway against the driving wind. They were just trying to maintain their course. They were simply battling the waves and seeking to keep their direction and trying to finish their task and to stay on track. That's all they were trying to do. And here is where contrary meets committed. And this is where a lot of folks fall down and, do, and turn back and go away because life is not easy. Life is not a bed of roses like we would like for it to be. There are a number of adverse things that we have to deal with. But the thing that brought them to the place where he ultimately rendezvoused with them is that they were committed to keeping the course. They were committed to row. If that's all I can do, then I'm just going to row. Brother Hughes, there ought to be something better we can do. I don't know what else there is to do but row. And if we'll keep rowing, we'll keep going in the right direction. We may not make a lot of headway. It may seem like there's days that go by that you don't even make an inch of headway, but that's all right. An inch is better than none. Amen. Life is not easy. But they were committed. Everybody say they were committed. That's what you've got to do to overcome the adversity of life. You've just got to make a commitment that I'm going where he sent me. I'm not going to die in my dilemma. I'm not going to give up in my trouble. I'm not going to quit because I've had a few problems. I'm not going to throw in the towel because things are not working for me. I have made a commitment to Him, and I'm going to keep it. God's got a place for me. There's a rendezvous somewhere there for me to make, and I'm going to stay on course. They fought every element that you could fight to just simply stay on course. They fought elements that tried to stop them. And I've thought about that over the night. God, how many elements have there been that's tried to stop people in this church? How many things that have happened that's tried to keep them from coming, to keep them from living for God, to keep them from doing what they know is right? The winds of adversity, the winds of pressure blowing on them, the winds of difficulty breathing down on them consistently. And the Bible says that these skilled fishermen found it hard to deal with their present situation and if these skilled fishermen had a hard time of it, what makes you and I think that we're not going to have a hard time of it either? Amen. But they told us how they won. They kept rowing. Amen. Everybody say they kept rowing. That's my message this morning. You've got to keep rowing. 
You say, I don't like it. Well, I don't either, but keep rowing. Amen. Amen. You just, you have to keep rowing. Even the best of God's people find it hard sometimes, but you've got to keep rowing. They needed to to know that they were making a difference, but sometimes you can't tell when you're out on open water if you're even going anywhere or not, but they kept rowing. When you cannot gauge your distance and when you cannot gauge how far you have gone, God knows how far you've gone, and God will never let you go too far, and He will never let you go beyond His reach or beyond what He can see with His eyes. Amen. Amen. They teach us how to face such difficult times. Keep rowing. Amen. Say it with me. Keep rowing. They were doing all they could do, even though it seemed to no avail, but they kept rowing. Say, Brother Hughes, I don't know what difference I'm making. It doesn't matter if you see what difference you're making. Just keep rowing. You said, Brother Hughes, I don't think it really is going to matter whether I do or I don't. I tell you it will make a matter whether you do or you don't, so keep rowing. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. That's not the answer, and you're not going to like the solution that it brings to your life. The only real answer to life is keep rowing. Keep rowing. The harder they tried, the wind was even harder against them, but they kept rowing. Sometimes you get up in the morning and all you want to do is just pull the sheet back up over your head and pretend that this day didn't happen, but it did. So get up, put your big shoes on, and go meet the world and keep rowing. Amen. I said keep rowing. You're not going to get where God wants you to be having a pity party. You're not going to get where God wants you to be feeling sorry for yourself. This church is not going to have revival just because we feel bad about what's happened to our church. We're going to have revival because we are committed. And no matter how contrary life is, we are more committed than the contrary wind is. We are more committed to God and His purpose than what is against us and what is trying to stop us. Come on, clap your hands. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What elements have conspired to stop you in this place? They've wanted to cause you to give up. Financial failure, spiritual breakdown, frustrated plans, unfulfilled dreams, poor decision, broken marriages. All kinds of things happen in life to try to derail us and turn us from our God-given purpose. But I have come to tell you how to overcome every one of them. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. God's got something for you, and you know that, so don't give up too soon. God's got something He's going to have for you, and you cannot have it unless you keep rowing. Amen. All that was against them, but they kept rowing. As contrary as life was, they kept rowing. Amen. I love that word, contrary. Sometimes that's the way people are. As contrary as people can be against you, just keep rowing. Used to make some folks mad because when they would try to get me mad, I would just ignore them, and that made them matter. But you know what I made up my mind? I'm not letting a contrary spirit take away my committed spirit. And I made up my mind that my commitment is greater than the contrary things of life that could come against me. 
There's been a lot that has tried to stop us. But when you keep rowing, you'll find yourself where God wants you to be. We didn't think that life was going to be as hard as it is living for God. All of us, I am sure, have had a little different perception about what living for God was going to be like. But sometimes life is just like the picture painted in our text. It's just hard rowing. And that's the only way to look at it. You're just going to have to put your shoulder to it and do the best that you can and do all that you can. And when you've done all that you can, that's all God expects of you to do is just all that you can. Amen. Doing the will of God and fulfilling His Word is often filled with adventure and we are tried by dangers. That, and those dangers teach us to, to patience and they teach us to wait. The question that came to my mind last night was why did he suffer them to be tempest-tossed for so long when the Scripture indicates that he saw them at the beginning of the evening, but he didn't go to them until the fourth watch of the night, which was between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. He let them go on rowing. Why does God let us stay in situations where it seems everything is against us and nobody is for us. Nobody gives us a break. Nobody gives us the time of day. Nobody even seems to notice that we're on the highway because they try to run us off the road. And here we are. We're just trying to make our way through life. We're not trying to do anything great. We're just trying to survive and live. And yet in spite of all of that, He doesn't come to us when we want Him to. And He doesn't come to us when we feel like we need Him. And there are some people that have actually given up on God. And they've gone back because God didn't answer a prayer when they wanted Him to answer it. And they turned around and went away. But why did He wait? Why wait all of those hours and watch those men out there sweating and toiling and tormented and tortured baffled, confused. Oh, what's going on? Where's our where, where's the master? He he ought to be here with us. Why did he send us out here in this mess? Perhaps the reason that he lingered so long was to teach them that trouble is part of life and you have to learn how to deal with trouble. Maybe that's what he's trying to teach some of us that life is filled with swift transition. And not of earth is going to stand. You've got to build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. The only way to overcome trouble is just to keep rowing. The only way to overcome what is against you is just to keep rowing. Get up in the morning and put your clothes on and put a praise on your lips and walk out into the world and say, you know what? God sent me and I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out. But God sent me and I'm going to do what God sent me to do. Somebody say, keep rowing. Turn and bump your neighbor and say, keep rowing. Amen. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. God's trying to teach us that trouble is part of life. But maybe, listen to me, maybe more than to teach us that trouble is part of life, maybe God is trying to show us that we can go farther than we think we can go if we keep trying, if you keep rowing. But you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Oh, yeah, you can make it. 
because God will not put on more on, on you more than you can handle. He's just not that kind of God. God doesn't put a burden on you to crush you. He puts a burden on you to build you. Amen. He puts a burden. He puts a weight on you to strengthen you. He doesn't put something on you to put you down. He puts something on you to build you up. And maybe he's just trying to help some of you understand that you can go farther than you think you can go. Amen. Some of you are here today, if it hadn't been for God reminding you of that, you would have given up a long time ago. But the only reason you're here is because God helped you to understand you can stand more than you think you can. Amen. You see, His coming sooner would have been pleasant, but it would not have been profitable for them. It would have pleased their feelings, but it would not have strengthened their faith. Because somewhere along the way, those men learned what it was going to take to keep a church going and to keep God moving in their midst. Sometimes the world is just against you. Now, you can't crawl over in the corner and suck your thumb and pray that God would help alleviate all of these problems in the world. You just have to get up and dust yourself off and put your hand to the plow and go back to it. It may not be ideal. It's not what any of us want, but it's the fact of life. And life is a storm at times, and storms are tests, and they will try to push you off course. I don't believe that what's happened to us is anything other than an effort by whatever elements there may be to try to divert us from what God has promised us and what He has called us to be. But I do know this, that in the midst of our chaos, He's going to be there. That in the midst of our confusion, He's going to show up. That He's not going to wait too long and He's not going to be too late, but He's going to be right on time. They were put forth in that situation that they would put all efforts that they could because God said it's better to go three miles than no miles. Amen. You know, there's some people, if they can't run a hundred mile or a hundred yard race in, in record time, they won't even run. There's some folks, if they can't be the very best at what they're trying to do, they won't even do it. What a way to live. What a lousy way to live. Sometimes the fun is just trying. Sometimes it's, it's pleasant to learn that you can do more than you think you can do. I remember when we were in first building phase, there were some men that had never had a pneumatic or air nail gun in their hand in their life, and we turned them loose upstairs with one. We got out of the room, but we turned them loose with upstairs and believe it or not it wasn't long before they learned how to work it and all it takes is one or two accidents and you learn what not to do but the fact is all of us can do more than we think we can do if you'll just keep rowing i said you've just got to keep rowing it may not be pleasant it may not be beautiful it may not be cute it may not be the wildest greatest thing but that's how you make it to the other side is you just keep rowing God had a rendezvous point with them. And if they had done anything less than what they did, I don't think they would have ever rendezvoused with him. There three miles is better than two. And three is even better than one. And three is certainly better than none. I'd rather make three miles in nine hours 
and still be tried than to give up one mile in because the pressures were just too great and the problems were too complex. Sometimes life is such that you can sail right on through life without the least adversity, but there are times when it takes everything you've got to keep going. It takes everything you've got just to get up in the morning. Keep rowing. It may seem like torture, but keep rowing. Amen. You're not getting any pleasure out of it, but keep rowing. You may not even smile about it, but keep rowing. It takes everything you can muster to make progress. And sometimes you don't even make progress. You just pass time, but keep rowing. Amen. Life's a battle. It's a fight that you've got to fight to the end. And when the winds are contrary and life is a struggle and circumstances are against you and temptations surround you and sorrows overwhelm you, remember, keep rowing. Amen. Somebody say it with me. Keep rowing. Keep rowing. Some of you are struggling this morning, and some of you take that as a badge of weakness. Brother Hughes, I'm struggling. I don't think that's a sign of weakness. I think that's a sign of strength. It means that you're still trying. What I'm worried about are those that are not even trying anymore. But if you're struggling, I've come to applaud you. It's not bad to be a trier. It's not bad to be a struggler. You're not backslid just because you're having a hard time of it this morning. You've not lost out with God just because He doesn't seem to be as close as He was a month ago when you prayed. When you talk to Him now, He's not even anywhere around you. He's not even close to you. But you keep talking to Him and you keep rowing. You say, Brother Hughes, I don't feel like I'm doing very good. Well, if you're at least doing, you're still doing what God wants you to do. And that's all that God's asking you to do is just do what you can. Let's stand together. You may feel like you're battling upstream, but you're still battling. Keep rowing. Turn it. I, I want that. I want that. To, that phrase. I want it to get. I want to. I want to drive it in your heart this morning and bend it over, just like I would a nail. I want to put it so deep in your consciousness that every time you think about giving up, all you can remember is a preacher saying on that Sunday morning, "Keep rowing. Keep rowing. This too shall pass."